You're listening to Search for Truth. Hello and thanks for joining us. This week we're gaining a foothold. That's the title of today's talk in the present series called Increasing Our Christian Footprint as We Walk with God. Your Bible teacher Brian looks in particular detail today into the book of Joshua in the Old Testament of the Bible. And he finally will bring us some verses in the New Testament letter to the Ephesians to place it into context with our present Christian experience. So, let's go to Brian now to find out more. Thanks, John. In April 2009, the University of Haifa in Israel issued a press release concerning archaeologist Adam Zertel's work, in which it was said that he'd discovered five huge stone-lined camps in the Jordan Valley, each of them in the shape of an enormous foot. Consistent with what we've already shared in this study, Zertel claims that in ancient times the foot was held to have great significance as a symbol of the ownership of territory and control over an enemy. The further suggestion is made that it was Joshua's army that built the various foot-shaped stone enclosures that have now been discovered in Palestine by Adam Zertel's team of archaeologists. Although, as we say, the enclosure is often foot-shaped, there are smaller stone circles inside them. This may suggest how Joshua had his men set up the twelve stones that they brought out of the River Jordan. It may well have been that they were arranged in a circle. The Bible doesn't say exactly how the twelve stones were arranged when they were set up. All it says is, and I'm reading from Joshua chapter 4 and verse 16, Command the priests, bearing the Ark of the Testimony, to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. This Gilgal was therefore to be a place where Israel came to remember the mighty works of God. Let's remain a little longer at this point, the point where the Israelites crossed over the Jordan and made their first footfall therefore in the land of promise. The journey to get there had taken over 40 years. Where exactly was it where they entered into the land? Well, one of those massive footprints can today be found located in the Jordan Valley, and it's thought by some that this is the Gilgal site, where Israel initially encamped after crossing the Jordan and setting foot upon the land of promise for the very first time. To put this in Bible terms, the site in question is a little northwest of the town of Adam. Why is this significant? Because when Joshua and the children of Israel crossed the miraculously dried up Jordan River to enter the promised land, the town Adam is named as the location where the Jordan River's waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap. Because of this association with the town of Adam, 
Some scholars think that this stone structure may actually be the Gilgal site mentioned in the book of Joshua. It's best to remain a little cautious, but in any case, this Gilgal, the ancient camp where the Bible says Joshua and the children of Israel first settled after entering the Promised Land, is associated with lots of interesting events, all of which we can read about in Joshua chapter 5, and all marked with the theme of new beginnings, which connects with the Israelites at this time renewing their covenant with God as they finally entered the land that had been promised to them. And then later in history, we have Samuel renewing Saul's kingship at this same place, and later still, the people reaffirming David there as their king. But we'll come to all these in turn and review the lessons we can learn from them. But so far, we've only read about how Joshua obeyed God's command to take 12 stones from the Jordan riverbed and set them up at Gilgal as a memorial to the Jordan River crossing. In fact, it may well have been two monuments or two circles of stones. For pay careful attention to the following reading for yourself. It's from Joshua chapter 4 again. And the children of Israel took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord has spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. It does seem as if there were two arrangements of stones, one set up on the riverbed while it was dry, and the other set up on the far side in the Promised Land, made from stones taken from the riverbed. The stones on the riverbed would, of course, soon be hidden, as the water of the River Jordan returned to its normal flow and covered over them. That would mean we have here hidden stones as well as public stones. And isn't that the way much of it is in our Christian experience? Without the inner, hidden reality, there'll be no evident and effective testimony in public, will there? But in thinking of the possibility or even likelihood that there were stones put down and so later to be under the water, and others lifted out from the water, our thoughts easily turn to our Christian baptism, when we were put in water and lifted out of water to publicly show our identification with our Lord in his death and resurrection. But coming back to the Jordan River crossing and the visible memorial of stones on the riverbank, let's refresh our memory of what Joshua chapter 5 says. It was their children whom he raised up in their place, that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, They kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month, in the evening, on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. This Gilgal, at the time of entry into the land, 
was where God's people came to remember. They remembered God's covenant with Abraham. They remembered how God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And they'd also have cause to remember God's provision throughout all their desert journey to get to the promised land, as here it was that it finally became no longer necessary for them to receive the manna. In addition, they were now to keep the memory of this river crossing, at the very place where they were setting foot on their land for the first time. The name Gilgal was given because God had rolled away the reproach of Egypt from the people. The Hebrew word Gilgal means a wheel or circle or something that rolls. Although, as we've said, there appear to be several Gilgals mentioned in the biblical accounts, this particular Gilgal at Israel's first encampment in their promised land represents the most significant of this type of structure from the time of Joshua until the time of King Saul. Later, it faded into obscurity in the 8th century BC and even, alas, became a symbol of apostasy in the writings of the prophets Amos and Hosea. As fascinating as it is to speculate on these ancient circular and foot-shaped Gilgals in the Holy Land, it's of more benefit to make a spiritual application from the associated events, relating Israel's experience in some way to our own journey. I suggest that from this Gilgal, we learn from God that he wants his people to remember their important spiritual milestones. In this way, we too will gain a strong foothold in our Christian experience. It makes for spiritual growth when we regularly take time to remember what God has done for us. Let's do that by concluding with a New Testament scripture reading. It's one which takes us from our personal salvation experience through to the type of corporate service we are privileged to be part of if we follow the scriptural blueprint with care. We're reading from Ephesians chapter 2 and the beginning of the chapter. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. We can remember with gratitude our salvation experience and ask ourselves, have we progressed 
to possessing a place in God's house. I hope you enjoyed our study today with Brian. And please remember that the transcript book for this series is available. Um, it's important if you want to do a more detailed study, either on your own or perhaps in a group with your church. You can also download many of our books and talks via the internet, but the hard copy book for this series is available to you by asking for the title Increasing Our Christian Footprint. You can order by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8 DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may be interested to know as well that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off air by audio podcast or MP3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can browse the list of previous talks, which you'll see has been sorted into categories to assist you to find what you're looking for. So, thanks for being with us today. Next week, the title's Putting Our Foot Down. So do join us if you can. Until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So cheerio and may God richly bless you. The soul.